0: Thank you all for coming tonight. Quick, uh, quick raise of hands. Which one of uh, which ones of you are in high school? Raise your hand if you're in high school. Okay, now leave your hands up if you're going to the high school fellowship next Friday. Okay, all right, just checking. All right, I've got the alarm system on my house set to stun, so uh, we're looking forward to having you guys there. <coughs> Well, good evening and welcome as always. It's always good to be with you. I'm thankful to uh, Alejandro and uh, for letting me come and share the Word of God with you. Uh, Just by way of reminder, one of the things that we hold to here at North Lake Bible Church in all of our ministries and even in our youth group is a high view of God and a high view of Scripture. Now, what does that mean? That means that when we come to open this book, the most important question is, what does the Bible say? Not what do I think, not what do you think, not what can I read on the internets, but what does the Bible say? By the way, if you're having trouble hearing me because your neighbor is talking, you can just remind him that uh, he should be listening to as well. And I don't know how I did that. Whew, that was close. I almost had to just pray and just, you know, let the Spirit do its thing, but... Um, so we come asking, what does the Bible say? So tonight, we're going to ask specifically, what does the Bible say from Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34? So go ahead and turn there. In your copy of the scriptures, Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34, because the only way to know what does the Bible say is to actually look at it together, okay? I'm going to be a little bit slow because it's been a long day. I'm almost there. Matthew twenty twenty-nine through 34. Okay, if you're having trouble finding it in your Bible, I had to go about this far into my Bible to find it, okay? I don't know if your Bible is the same as mine, but if you're looking for Matthew 20, that's about how far I had to go into my Bible. So that's where it is, Matthew 20. Now, while you're turning there, I want us to think about a couple of very, very, very important questions. Okay, these are questions that I have thought deeply about many times over the years, okay? And I need everyone's full attention because I need some responses here. And I think the question that we need to start off asking ourselves tonight is, if you, oh, he's yeah, I can see he's ready. If you could have a superpower, what superpower would it be? Now, raise your hands. We don't just need to jump out there because the superpower is not interrupting people. All right. So it's so, a superpower. Teleportation. Okay. All right. I like it. For those that don't know, it's just like moving place to place like boom. All right. There you go. Learn and remember things quickly and easily. I tell you what, your mama's gonna be so proud of that one. Okay, let's go here. Shape shifting into any particular shapes. Okay, all right, animals, other people. Okay, I saw a hand back here. Invincibility, like just like the bullets just bounce off you. Okay, I got two ladies over here. Invisibility. Okay, which one do you think is better? If we like had them fighting invincibility versus invincibility? okay. Mind control, like your own mind or someone else's. Okay, all right. That's a very important distinction. All right, go here. Speed, like you want to be like the slowest thing on the planet. Oh, the fastest. Okay, very good. Paint something and it becomes real life. Okay, I like this. Creativity is bounding off the charts right now. Oh, oh, yeah, I like this guy. Like, okay, all right, I got gotcha. you. Telekinesis. Okay, cool metal like like hard rock like like music or like everything metal you can be metal okay all right cool all right all right I' I'm gonna go one more over here and then and then control electromagnetic electromagnet- waves Okay, so now, I wasn't going to say this, but now you me. what if we could right now see all of the waves, like, going through, like, radio waves, like, all that stuff, there's Bluetooth waves, like, there's so many things happening right now, You, you, you can't see, I can't see them. There's, like, a spy satellite over my head right now, and I don't even know it's there, right? Like, I mean, there's just stuff going on pretty cool in this amazing world that God has made. Now, here's the fun thing, is because, see, when I was young, I wanted cool superpowers, too. But I think the second question that's important is, what would you do with those superpowers if you had them? Okay, your answer doesn't count but because you, did, you didn't raise your hand, but he said rob a bank. Okay. You could mastermind a bank robbery. Right? This is going down a dark path. Help civilians. This man gets a gold star. Okay, young lady. You could sneak places. You could rescue people. Okay, she's going to rescue the kidnappers that this bank robber took when he was bank robbing. What's that? Oh, advanced health technology. Okay, good. Okay, all right, put your hands down. Put your hands down. These These are all interesting answers. Now, the cool thing is, is when you're young, you want cool superpowers. Now, what happens is sometimes you get old. Okay, actually, it'll help into all of us eventually. And when, as I've gotten older, my superpower desires are just a lot less interesting. They're not less important, but they're just less interesting. Like, see, I would love, hands down for just a moment, because what I'm about to tell you is super important. See, my, the superpower that I would want right now is to be able to eat anything and not have to worry about my weight, right? Like, I wish I had that superpower, right? I wish I had the superpower to never exercise and to be less or more fit than, there's nothing there, let's just be honest, right? Like, like, but see, here's the problem is that, like, those are just about me being lazy. Me being, like, that's rough, right? See, I would love to have the superpower of not having to sleep so much. I'm like, dude, why do I need to spend a third of my day sleeping? That's silly. But here's the deal. If God granted me any one of those superpowers, I don't think it would make me more like Him. I would be more lazy. I would be more selfish. I would like to think that if I had like more less time to sleep that I would do really cool things, but the real answer is that I, I might beat one or two more video games per year. But other than that, I don't think I would spend more time doing the things that God would want me to do. And so the question That we're going to see in our passage tonight is that there's a couple of individuals and they're going to get something. You you might not think it was a superpower, but it kind of is because it is going to change their lives. You know what they're going to get? They're going to go from blindness to sight. Now the real question is, like first off, cool superpower, because if you have been blind, being able to see is amazing. It is life altering. But the really, the next question is, is, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? We're going to see this in our passage tonight, right? So in, in a somewhat different way, we're going to see these men. They're going to get this gift from Jesus. And so if we go back to our story in Matthew, what you're going to find is that it's not necessarily a new story. In fact, as we read it together, you might think that it sounds a little bit familiar. And that's okay, because it is important for us to continually be reminded of what God's Word has said. And that's good for all of us. But as we as we read it, the truth is not about God granting us cool superpowers. By the way, in case you're wondering, since about age nine, if you really want to know what Ben's superpower is, it was to be sneaky. She said it over here. I just figured if I was sneaky enough, I didn't have to be strong. I didn't have to do anything else because no one would see me coming, right? Um, so there you have it. That was mine. But we're not going to see that in our passage today. In fact, what we're going to see is we're going to see someone who calls out to God in faith and God grants them Uh, Mercy, because of that. Okay, so we're going to understand. So someone calls out to God in faith, and God grants them the superpower to see God for who he truly is. To see Jesus, to truly see him, to truly understand his word, and to truly understand who Jesus is and what the gospel is. And what do we do with that if we get that kind of sight? If we get to be able to see in that way, what will we do with that? Well, by the way, the men in our story are going to get to see that. And in case you're wondering, the title of our message tonight is going to be this, three words, freed to follow. That's the spoiler alert, okay? Freed to follow. These men are going to be freed to follow after Christ. Our main idea is this, Jesus opens the eyes of those who cry out in faith that they might follow him. One more time, because it's long. Some of you write slow. I write slow. That's why I type it with a keyboard. Jesus opens the eyes of those who cry out in faith that they might follow him. Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. Read with me together. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be open." Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Jesus opens the eyes of those who cry out in faith that they might follow him. Our story is a simple one. We're going to break it into four parts, okay? So we're going to see Jesus' situation, Jesus' interruption, Jesus' response, and Jesus' outcome. And the first thing we see is Jesus' situation. in Verse 29, here we go. As they were leaving Jericho. As they. Now remember, it's always important as we jump into the Bible that we make sure that we understand where we are because sometimes if we do not remember where we are, we can get lost. So here's the context. And we're going to do it And um, kind of following the patterns that you might have learned in one of your uh, school classes, does anyone know the five W questions? Someone raise your hands. Does anyone know the five W questions? Right here. Who, what, when, where, why. All right. And then there's a how. By the way, if you're wondering what the how was, it's as they were leaving. Okay. All right. So we're going to start off. First off, who are they as they were leaving? Who are they? Can someone raise their hand and tell me in the back? Jesus and his disciples, if you're curious if he's right, roll back to Matthew 20, 24, and you'll find out. Jesus and his disciples. What are they doing? Our second W question. Oh, I thought I saw a hand there. They were leaving Jericho. Boom, nailed it. Yes, they were probably walking. All right, where are they going? Third W question, where are they going? Sir? Jericho, as they were leaving Jericho. All right. Where are they going? Oh, I got I'll go with this young man. What's that? Away from Jericho. Okay, by the way, that is very important. What's your answer? How do you know that? Yeah, 29. So we read remember we always have to check, we have to check what's going on around us. Matthew 20, 29 through 34. If your eyes just glance down to Matthew 21:1 when they had approached Jerusalem. So by the way. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, let's be honest. But I know something. If Jesus and his disciples are leaving Jericho, it's this way, and they're approaching Jerusalem that way. Okay. So if you were, like, going this way, like this, Jericho, Jerusalem. Okay. That's where they are. All right. Does everyone understand the diagram? All right. I can draw it next time if we need to. Okay. When are they going? Now, I'll be honest. This one's a little bit trickier. Does anyone know when are they going? Probably during the daytime. Easier to see that way. While they were alive, very good answer. Time that humans existed. Okay, all right, very good. You have more precision than I do in this answer. Go ahead. After God created the earth. I'll give you a quick answer. It was a little bit before the Feast of Passover. And more importantly, it was a little bit before the Passion Week of Christ. And that leads very importantly into our why question, why are they going? Anyone want to offer a contrary opinion? I think we should read Matthew 20, verse 18. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn Him to death and will hand Him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify Him. And on the third day, He will be raised up. Scroll down all the way to verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Okay, we've got Jesus and his disciples, and they're going this way. Jericho is that way. Jerusalem is this way. They're going there so that Jesus can be crucified. Now, I've never gone to a place knowing that that was going to happen. But I have a feeling that if Jesus was doing that, that was probably weighing on his mind a lot. It was probably heavy on his mind. He was thinking a lot about it. He'd been telling the disciples about it. He'd been telling other people about it. He was preparing himself He was preparing the disciples. He was going to Jerusalem to be crucified. And as he enters Jerusalem, he knows that he's going to be hailed as the son of David, by the way. We see this in Matthew 21, 9. Scroll down there. The crowd's going ahead of him said to those who followed. They were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here's the deal. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He is first going to be hailed. As the son of David, which, by the way, does anyone know what that means to be called the son of David? Yes, sir. To be the rightful ruler, to be the Messiah. So he's going to be hailed, and then he's going to be mocked, and then he's going to be crucified. This is what Jesus is doing as he's going to Jerusalem. By the way, these blind men also knew that because they mentioned that to him as well. And we'll find out that in just a minute. They also called him the son of David. But Jesus has a big job on his mind. He's going to Jerusalem to be crucified. He's got this big thing. He's got this big mission. And, and here's the great thing about Jesus, right? Is that even though He's got this thing on his, on his mind, this big mission, this big objective, going to Jerusalem to be crucified. By the way, it would be hard not to think about that. Even being perfect, truly God, truly man, I think it would be hard for Jesus not to think about that. And we know He did because He talked about it and He prayed a lot about it. But here's the thing. Jesus's situation is not going to change Jesus's behavior. Think about that for a moment. Jesus's situation never changes Jesus's obedience to the Father's will. Do you think that that's important? I think it is. You know, because, see, here's. I mean, Jesus gives us a great example to follow. If you're ever like me, and I've ever got something, like, really big on my mind, have you ever had something really big on my mind? It's just weighing you down. It's, like, important, like, do we have donuts or bagels for breakfast? I mean, those things are just, when you're thinking about that, you can't can't afford to be interrupted. But maybe you've got something bigger than that on your mind, and someone interrupts you. How do you respond to them when they interrupt you? Do you, like, thank them, high-five them, do a little, like, knuckle bump? I'll tell you what, sometimes when I get interrupted, when I'm doing something for work or something else, I get frustrated. I'll get, I'll get annoyed. I'll get upset because somehow what I'm doing is more important than the person interrupting me. Have you ever thought that way? Man, stone so cold. I know I have. But Jesus isn't that way. He could have responded in a lot of ways. He could have said, hey, by the way, I, I know there's an interruption going on. I'm going to go save the world from their sins. I'll get back to you in a minute. Right? Jesus could have said that, but Jesus didn't do that because Jesus, even though he was on a mission to the cross, he was also there to fulfill the perfect will of the Father in every way. We see Jesus and his disciples, they're leaving Jericho. There's this huge crowd around them. We see that in 29 as well. A large crowd followed him. A large crowd all ways, followed Jesus. Probably larger than usual because there was a lot of people going to Jerusalem at the time. So there's probably some people walking, or you know, just walking down the road and like, hey, that's Jesus. And They didn't know that they were going the same way He was. And there's all of these people, and that is Jesus' situation. And it is in the middle of that situation, as Jesus and His disciples are going to Jerusalem, going to the cross, that we see Jesus' interruption. Verse 30, And two blind men, sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, "'Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David.' Lord, have mercy on us, son of of David. Uh Uh-oh. I lost my my page there. Now, there's a couple things we have to note here. First off, these blind men call him Lord. What does that mean? Anyone want to ponder a guess? Yes, ma'am. Okay, Messiah, therefore God. Messiah is cheating on my next answer, but uh, they they thought he was God. They said, Lord. They were calling on one who was mighty. They were calling on one who had authority. They were th- calling on one who had power. They were saying, you who rule and reign over all, you who have the power and the might and the authority, you are the one that we're calling on. We're calling on you as Lord. They also called him Son of David, which, by the way, is what they're going to call him as he walks into Jerusalem as well. And she just cheated and so my second question, which is, what does Son of David means? It means He's the Messiah. He's the King. He is the Redeemer. He is the Rescuer. And by the way, there was a lot of people that wanted Jesus to be the Messiah, right? Like, they wanted to be rescued from things. They wanted to be rescued from the Romans. They wanted to be rescued from this foreign entity that was ruling over them. As these individuals cried out, they cried out to the Messiah. These two men were calling on Jesus to rescue them But they were wanting rescue from blindness. They were wanting to be freed, not from Romans, but from blindness. And what did these men cry out? Look back in 30 again. It says, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. By the way, this this have mercy is an active word. You know what an active word means? Versus a passive word? Yes, sir. Active verb, the dude's doing the action. Good answer. These two blind men called out to God, and you know what they said to him? They said, we need you to act, Jesus. That's what they were saying. They were saying, we need you to act. When they said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us, they were recognizing something very important. And they were recognizing that if Jesus did not act, they had no hope. They didn't say, Jesus, I'm almost there. If you could just get me over the finish line. No, they said, Jesus, I need you to act. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I need Jesus to act? I need Jesus to act. I need God to act because my situation is really hard. By the way, I remember being uh, in middle school and high school. And the cool thing about middle school, is someone over here said like superpower invincibility. Like, middle schoolers and high schoolers, like, live invincibility, right? Like, I can do everything. I don't need mom and dad. I don't need anyone else to help me out. I don't need youth leaders. I've got this all figured out. And that's easy to think sometimes. But sometimes you hit the end of your rope and you say, God, I need you to act. I need you to act. I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling to obey. I'm struggling to honor you. I'm struggling to respect my teachers or my mom and dad or my youth leaders. I'm struggling to speak the truth in all things. I'm I'm struggling to love my siblings. I mean, I don't need to say that to you guys. You all love your siblings perfectly, right? Every last one of you. You're like, my siblings are the best. They're the favorite. No, we need God to act. We need God to help us. And you know what? There is no better person to call on. They said, God, we need you to act in our lives. Lord, Messiah, we need you to act because if you do not act, then we are stuck in our blindness. Well, they called out, verse 31, the crowd sternly told them to be quiet. Question number one, this is a softball. Why did the crowd need to tell them to be quiet? Young man? They were being loud. Yeah. It's not one of those things like Jesus is walking by and it's like, gee, yeah, he probably can't hear me anyway. No. They were like, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They were crying out. You know why? Because they needed him to act. They needed Jesus to act. So the crowd sternly told them to be quiet. By the way, this is like rebuking them. This is warning them. This is like, guys, like, come on, man. Like, we're trying to listen to Jesus. He's important. You're like, oh, like we can't hear him. Like. Be quiet or else kind of stuff, man. Like give them the stink eye and everything. No, they were saying, look, you need to be quiet. You need to hush up. We're listening to Jesus here. This guy's important. You guys aren't. We need you to be quiet. And how do you think they responded? They're like, oh, thank you for that reminder. I wasn't I wasn't sure that's what I was supposed to be doing, but you guys clued me in. No. Verse thirty-one. But they cried out all the more. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. All the more is the word megas. They're like, hey guys, you think we're crying out loud now? We're going to turn on megaphone style. Like, Jesus needs to hear us because we need Him. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. These two blind men wanted the Son of David to rescue them from blindness. That was Jesus' interruption. And of course, Jesus hears and responds. Jesus' response, 32 and 33. Verse 32, And Jesus stopped and called them and said... Now let's contrast some things real quick, because there's actually two responses here, right? There's the response of the crowd because we want to be alliterative tonight, we'll call it the cold-hearted response. These are the people that are like, no, 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 we don't need you guys to cry out. We don't need you guys to interrupt us. You guys can just sit there doing your thing. That was the crowd's response to two individuals crying out for help. And then we see the compassionate-hearted response of Jesus. The compassionate-hearted response of Jesus where He sees and hears and he stops now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this one but if you were to reflect on let's go, let's go like way back in time like the last seven days do you think that your life is characterized by cold hearted responses to people or compassionate hearted responses to people when you're interrupted when you see people in need Jesus has given us an example of a compassionate, hearted response. He stops and He calls them. Now remember, by the way, this is the same Jesus who is going from Jericho to Jerusalem to be crucified. He's got a mission in mind, but He stops and He calls them. This is the same Son of Man that will be delivered and condemned to death. But Jesus has also been reminding him that he is the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus was on a mission, but that mission was not going to cause him to ignore or to exclude those who would cry out to him in faith. Because those weren't two separate missions, those were the same mission. To glorify God, to be obedient to him in all things. It says Jesus stopped and called. Now just a reminder, <clears throat> I think I mentioned this earlier. In case you're wondering, I'm not actually a huge fan of being interrupted, personally. I've got like one brain cell, and like when it's thinking about something and it gets interrupted, then I have to spend like the next 30 minutes going and finding that brain cell. And it's lost because somebody interrupted it, and I can't find it, right? But Jesus is awesome because he gives an example to me, and I hope he does to you as well, that if we are going to fulfill God's will and God's word, we need to be quick to obey even in the midst of interruption. Even in the midst of your day not going the way you thought it would. You thought mom said it was going to be chicken nuggets tonight and it's pizza instead. You're like, ah! No. We can honor God even in the midst of interruption, even in the midst of plans that aren't the way that we thought they would be. The next time that you're interrupted, don't be frustrated, don't be annoyed, but have the same mercy and compassion that Jesus did when he called them. This word called is awesome because it says Jesus stopped and called them. And you know what it really means? It means he invited them. So they were calling and Jesus was maybe over here and he stops and he looks and he invites them to himself. Remember, we saw this just recently in Matthew when he invited the children to himself. See, Jesus invites people to himself so that he can love them the way that God has called us to love one another. And the only way that we can minister and encourage one another is if we call them, if we are there, if we are present. And then he asked him a question. He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Does that seem like a silly question? I mean, like, I want an honest answer. Like, does that seem silly? Jesus asking to be like, what do you want me to do for you? You think it would be obvious, right? Matthew chapter 20, you guys probably studied this a couple lessons ago. I don't think I was there that day. Matthew chapter 20, let's see which verse was it. I had it in my notes here. Verse 21, he asks almost the same question. And he said to her, what do you wish? Jesus was asking the same question to um, the mother of James and John. You know, she was wanting Jesus to show grace. But for a very different reason, right? He says, what do you want? And so Jesus, he looks at these blind men and he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? have you ever been there? Have you ever been like, God, I need help. And he's like, what are you you asking for? What do you want? See, here's the problem is, if you're like me, and I'm sure that some of you are, some of you are not like me at all, and that's to your good, Um, but if you're like me, sometimes when I'm asking God for help, you know what I want God to do? I want him to make it all go away. Right? I'm like, God, I need help! And God's like, what do you want? And I'm like, uh, just like, Take all of my siblings and ship them to like Michigan or something. I think that's a foreign country, right? No. like Or like, God, I need help. It's like, I wish my parents were more understanding. They're just so unreasonable. I wish like that one teacher that gives me all the homework, like she would get sick, we'd get a substitute, and we watch TV all day. Like that would be great, God. But how many times do you say, God, I want help because I want to see you more clearly. I want you... To help me obey you, even in the midst of this hard situation, I want you to give me the strength to walk with you. I want you to give me what I need so that I can follow after you. See, when he says, "What do you want from me?" there could be many answers, and there are. And we see that even between, you know, um, the mother of James and John and these two blind men, he says, "What do you want?" You guys are going to go to your small groups here in a little bit, and. You probably have a time where you share prayer requests. What do you think you need God's help with? And are those things that God is honored by? Are you asking God, help me be more obedient, help me be more faithful, help me be more compassionate, help me be more loving? Or are they things that are only for yourselves? He says, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 33 Matthew 20, verse 33. They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. In fact, they probably said something like this. They probably said, Lord, opened eyes. Lord, open eyes. We want our eyes to be opened. We want to see. You know, and this immediately reminds me of a passage that maybe you've heard before. It's one of my favorites. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul writes this. Paul the Apostle, he writes this when he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Paul prayed for opened. These two men are asking for opened eyes. Paul prayed for the believers that the eyes of their heart might be enlightened so that they might know Jesus. That's what he wanted. Paul prayed for opened eyes. And how does Jesus respond to this? Verse 34, Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. And immediately they regained their sight and followed Him. You see, unlike the crowd, Jesus responded with compassion. Compassion for the needy. This word could also mean affection, to mean to have your, one's heart go out to. And that's how Jesus responds to these two blind men. When he heard the response to his question, he had compassion and affection, and he literally reached out to them. He was close enough to touch them. That is what Jesus did when he invites people in, is he invites them that close. By the way, this is the same kind of affection that God calls us to display in our lives. If you're like, well, that's cool. I'm glad Jesus does that. I don't know about me. This is what Paul writes again in Philippians chapter 1, verse 8, writing to a different church. He says this. I love this verse. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Paul said, God is my witness. Now, I would like <clears throat> all of you to think for just a moment, if God had to come and be a witness between you and your small group leader, would you say, yes, small group leader, I <clears throat> live with the affection of Christ Jesus towards everyone that I interacted with in the last week? I'd have to put my hand down. That's hard, but that is what God calls us to do. For those who have received the affection of Christ Jesus and salvation, He calls us to manifest that same affection and compassion to those in need of Christ's mercy. What does that mean? That means this. That means if you are here today and you claim Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, Jesus calls you to have the same affection and compassion for one another that He has for the world. I don't know about you, that's a pretty big ask. Good thing that we have someone we can cry out to for help. same affection that jesus had for these blind men paul wanted to have towards the church and that's the same affection that you and i should have towards one another by the way that means that we can't act like the crowd we can't silence those who are crying out we can't respond to them in a cold-hearted way god calls us to respond to them in a compassionate way and it says jesus touched their eyes by the way um like many passages in in the gospels uh, this story is also in mark and luke And so we learned some additional details there. I'm just going to read a verse from this um, passage in Luke 18.42. It says this. And it says, as Jesus was touching their eyes, it says, and He said to them, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. So this person that cried out, these blind men that cried out, they cried out in faith. They cried out in faith. Remember, Jesus opens the eyes of those who cry out in faith that they might follow Him. Maybe your eyes are blind, maybe they're dark, and maybe you are not paying attention to God's Word. Maybe you are not seeing it. Maybe you are not able to see the discipline and the instruction that your parents are giving you on how to walk and please God. You need to cry out that God would open your eyes through faith that you might follow Him. By faith they asked for open eyes, and Jesus touched their eyes. And in perfect form, Jesus' response is our last point. So Jesus' response leads to Jesus' outcome. That's our last point, Jesus' outcome. And it's really just this last part of verse 34. And immediately they regained their sight and followed Him. Immediately, right away, directly. By the way, if you will call out to Christ. Some people say like, oh, well, Like sometimes you have to wait for God to answer. No, God is answering. Maybe you don't like His answer. He's answering. He's hearing you. That is the great thing about our God is He is hearing you. When you cry out to Him, He hears you. And when God acts, He acts. They regained their sight and they followed Him. You see, Jesus always accomplishes the Father's will. And He does so again here in this passage towards these two individuals. Jesus' response to their interruption was not cold-heartedness. It was compassion. And by the way, that led to an outcome of freedom for these men. Freedom from blindness. Freedom to follow after Christ. By the way, how glorious, how amazing that they open their eyes and follow Jesus. When they first open their eyes, when they first look up, they're looking into the eyes of Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I've never put my faith in Jesus. I've never cried out to Jesus. I've never asked Him, Lord, help me see. But He calls you to cry out to Him. He calls out to you to open the Word. He calls out to you to read it, to understand the message of the gospel. And when God has given you eyes to see, do you follow him or do you reject him? See, because here tonight, so you guys are in quite a conundrum. By the way, it's a conundrum, which is a a big word that just means a sticky situation. Is there a shorter word than sticky? I'll go with sticky for now. That's as slow as I can slow it down. You're in a sticky situation, right? Because you sitting here have all just heard this word. By coming tonight, you have had your eyes open to God's Word. What will you do with it? Will you follow after Him, or will you reject Him? Matthew Henry said this, he says, None follow Christ blindfolded. He first, by His grace, opens men's eyes, and so draws their hearts after Him. Listen to this, The best evidence of spiritual illumination is a constant, inseparable adherence to Jesus Christ as our Lord and leader. What does it mean? God needs to be your Lord and leader. That is a response to someone who has their eyes opened in faith. I'm going to close with reading two verses. If you're here tonight and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, think about this. Pastor Dusty shared this with us recently from Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. These blind men called out to Jesus for mercy and grace, and he says, you can come to God's throne with confidence. If you're here tonight and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, let me read this verse, Acts twenty six eighteen. It says, To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. The Gospel of Christ is able to open your eyes so that you may turn from darkness to light. From the dominion of Satan to God. And if you are here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ, there is no greater challenge that I can give you than this. To cry out to Jesus in faith tonight. Talk to one of your small group leaders. Maybe talk to your friend. But cry out to God tonight. Cry out to Him and say, Lord, have mercy on me." I need to walk with You. I need to follow You. I need You to be my Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You that You have blessed us in so many ways. Father, I thank You tonight that You have blessed us by giving us Your Word. You have shown us once again that You are faithful because You have responded to those who have cried out to You in faith. You have opened their eyes that they might see You, that they might receive mercy. Lord, you have extended mercy to each and every young man and young woman in this room. And I pray that they would cry out to you. I pray that they would reach out to one of their small group leaders, to one of their youth leaders today throughout the week. Reach out to a mom or dad. Reach out to a sibling. Reach out to a friend. Say, tell me more about Jesus. I want to follow him too. And might this week, might we live not in cold heartedness, but might we live in the compassion and affection of Jesus Christ one for another. Thank you in Jesus' name.